Welcome back to another episode of Small Town Big Personalities. I am Emily Rose Gray, and I am so excited to bring episode three to you all. Now, I was trying to figure out a great topic, right? How can I make this interesting? And then very serendipitously, I heard from an old friend I had not seen in 12 plus years. And through a surprising series of events, this has brought us both into a place where we're ready to tackle our demons. So that is what we will be talking about today. Welcome to Small Town Big Personalities, a mini-series documenting the surreal journey of two New York City queers forced to move back to their small conservative hometown and face the music on self-awareness, purpose, and having impact in this world. My name is Emily Rose Gray. Let's get into it. Hey, what's going on, guys? I'm Joe. <laughs> right, Way to just introduce yourself unprompted. Introduce me. Okay, guys, this is Joe Lawless, a childhood friend of mine that I had not seen in 12 years. Joe. Roughly 12 years. You just introduced yourself, but I'm so happy you're excited to be here. Thrilled. Ready to go. Okay. So Joe and I met when I was eight years old. And after years of coming up to Lake George, my dad was like, you know what? I think it's time that we get a place up here. It has a lot of significance to, you know, his parents growing up, going here camping. And so when we first got here, I clearly didn't know anyone. And I remember specifically going over to the pool. And at the time, I was a bit of an ugly duckling growing up. There's there's no denying that. And you, Joe Wallace, literally goes, who's the new girl? And then did a flip into the pool. Does that sound like you? Or Absolutely does that- 100%. 100% sounds like you. 100% sounds like you. Also, keep in mind that Joe Lawless was literally the daredevil and everyone uh, didn't like you. <laughs> the parents were like, that Joe Lawless done it again. It's mostly the name. And everyone blamed everything on you. And we <laughs> would get away from <laughs> By blaming me. Yeah. And just because it was very apropos, it fit the bill. Okay, so Joe, now that I've explained my first time meeting you, my first impressions, tell me about your experience being in Juniper Hills. Juniper Hill was my escape as a child. Mm. Every year, school was out, and the first day afterwards, June 23rd to 26th, my family took the road trip from Long Island, from Nassau County, South Shore, up to Juniper Hill, and we did not leave until Labor Day. Yeah. So every time I made friends when I was in high in middle school, high school, anything, all of a sudden, bye bye for three months. And literally, this was my crew for the right. Next so three we months. all were best friends. Like I talk more to y'all than I do many people from high school. You and I only recently reconnected. Very recently. And you had mentioned, hey, like I'm coming up to the lake. Let's kick it. And so luckily you and i were able to hang out what was that thursday last thursday last friday i think when you see somebody that you haven't seen in a while it's like a very fine balance of being like humble bragging right and i think both of us were doing that at the same time oh yeah real hard but emily thought i was no, a total no, no, no. douchebag when she re-met me 12 years later and she probably wasn't totally wrong i had gone through a lot of shit 
uh, you know, it's hard when you divorce yourself from 95% of your family and the most beautiful place in the world. Mm. You decide to become a corporate shill and work for a crazy company. I worked in software sales. And so I had to be a liar every day, which I am getting away from now. And it was the most toxic place and the worst place for me at that time in my life as the youngest person working there at 22 years old. My biggest vice for sure. And, uh, not proud to admit it, but proud to be over it was pharmaceuticals, painkillers, oxy 30s, crush them up, snorting them for about seven years straight. And uh, that turned into a lot worse vices. And I'm just happy to be here right now, be alive, be healthy, be happy and have a new lease on life. But uh, that'll grab hold of you worse than any other thing in the world. When you get sober, and I was totally clean off of marijuana, alcohol, the most pedestrian advices for about 13 months you're supposed to get very humble and I did for a while and I thought hey I'm still very humble as soon as I re-meet Emily Gray she reminded me how not humble I was and that was that was a real eye-opener mm. because I thought asked all this shit then all of a sudden I reconnect with her and all of a sudden out left, immediately right, boom, boom. and I think that kind of brought some things up for me was like we had just seen each other and it's been years but I had a really quick response despite really not knowing too much about she you. called me on my bullshit almost immediately almost I think, immediately to cut to the chase and just you know we can go right there yeah but oh, yeah. but honestly who am I right so like I have to kind of unpack that and realize why am I harnessing all of these negative emotions towards men to the point where when I meet them or when I see them again, like you and I best friends, fucking kids immediately feel like I need to be like, to be okay, fair, let's just- there was a 10 year gap in there where she may, you know, have, uh, have harnessed and roped in some feelings that yeah. got projected on me for no reason, but yeah. also I deserved a lot of it. Let's address the elephant in the room here because clearly my aggression and my very low tolerance for you was rooted from somewhere. You mentioned this whole fraternity, douchey fraternity, douchey college kind of archetype, right? Don't know, but I'll just get it out there right now. This was the first archetype of my male hatred, right? Was this frat guy archetype in college and totally succumbing to this good girl mentality, right? You had to validate yourself in the male lens by being the good girl that the frat guys wanted to date and not the slutty girls that are at the college party, right? Totally agree. So fair enough. that harnessed a lot of animosity for me because how dare you box a woman in to be living such a small life, right? In a small existence. And I think the second thing is there was really no regard for privacy. And I've had a situation, you know, I was outed to all of Clemson by fraternity guys that I really trusted and who were for some reason threatened by the divergence of not wanting to subscribe to this male lens validation. Anything outside of their plane of view was a threat to them. And I get that, but at the same time, that's how we grow up. Unfortunately, mm. you know, we were all raised by what baby boomers, Gen Xers, like mm. at the at the least. Mm. And uh, you know, post World War II, 
there was that mentality of the man is a man and this is that and there's a homemaker and that's totally totally flipped on its head today and absolutely thank god about time but unfortunately those people aren't all you know they're still with us right so we still see through that lens right as much as we try not to so you brought up a really great second point there which is how we were raised Mm. and how we grew up and I will say, not for nothing, I've had a lot of amazing male figures in my life, my father, my uncles, my grandfather, but there were a lot of situations where older people that you trust are not always the people that have your best interest in mind or know what's good. When you get older and you trust these particularly male figures to have your best interest in mind, And sometimes they don't. And sometimes they do a lot of creepy shit. And so the second reason why I'm male hating is because of older guys that cannot get out of their minds that women are something to conquer, even if it's a woman who they knew when they were kids, right? And like, this was a big issue that I had so many times. These older guys saying inappropriate shit, stepping across the line and doing it again and again and again because they don't care. There's no ramifications to their actions there, right? So that was kind of like the second thing that I was harnessing in animosity. And the worst part about it is that it's only really come to light, I'd say in the last 15 years. I have family from deep, deep in the hills of Ohio and it was almost a joke growing up that you know, uncle so-and-so and, you know, someone who's very, very close to me, still alive in my life. And, you know, one of my biggest role models that there was inappropriate behavior. And that was probably, goddamn, that was probably the fifties. And it was almost a joke the way it was like told to, you know, it was barely mentioned, but the way it came up, even from the females in my family was like, oh, we don't talk about that. Right. And that's how sick and how toxic and how long that's been going on. And luckily we are just starting, starting to turn the corner where that becomes a, an acceptable topic to talk about and be something that people will actually look at in light that it's supposed to be exposed and as Mm. despicable and disgusting. Mm. And, uh, you know, Maybe too little, too late, but at least we're trying. No, no, I I really appreciate you saying that. That was very profound and I appreciate your lens. I would say the last thing that really codified this man hating for me was a lot of the professional conduct that when I started entering the workforce was all around me and a lot of toxic things. Like for example, literally there was this group called the Boys Club. They called themselves Boys Club, okay? And the most inappropriate things, right? Like sending inappropriate photos, taking advantage of women and making them feel uncomfortable and doing a lot of smack talk that is so detrimental, so detrimental to a woman's reputation. Oh yeah, that sticks, unfortunately. For guys, it just like, we're like Teflon. It just flies off who cares. For women, it sticks and it's unfortunate because what's the difference? Toxic male energy in a workplace can drive a woman to insanity, right? And I'm so happy that I can speak my truth and you can speak your truth and we can come to some sort of agreeance where like, luckily we're heading in a better direction, right? Me too, you can't erase that shit. Mm. 
but the reality is there's still much more to do. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a fraction of where the world needs to be. And we've only made that step in the last, yeah. what, let's say 15 years. Yeah. So, I mean, I bring all of this up not to be super negative and all of that. I bring it up so that I can give context as to why I realized I needed to change this perspective because putting every single male in the universe in a negative box because of a my experience with being outed in college by frat guys b being sexually harassed by older men and third working in a toxic environment where the male ego was dominant those things all shaped my reality but when I saw you Joe when you and I got back together and were like having this heart-to-heart real conversation I and I was giving you so much crap I was like oh my god I could do no right literally I'm realizing that I was harnessing a lot of negative emotions towards you and I apologize Mm -hmm. because you don't need to apologize at the end of the day we are all our own independent people and you have to judge someone based on what they're bringing to the table you're you're just all the the truthfulness that came out of you really like I needed to hear that as much as I didn't want to at first it you know it's sobering at first and it's scary for a little while and then you become wow that's that's damn accurate and that is the scariest part is when you realize how accurate somebody else is when they're critiquing you and you don't want to hear it (laughs) and and you to me right like you you literally being like why do you hate me so much literally you said that why do you hate me so much why at least four times and i'm like whoa that's definitely not the vibe and energy that I want to be giving off. And at the end of the day, that's what it's about, right? Is you can hold on as much animosity as you want. But at the end of the day, you're the person that carries that weight and that burden. And if there is one thing that you helped me realize, Joe Lawless, is I'm ready to let go of that baggage and I'm ready to start going into situations with a new open eye. Wow. When it comes to my male interactions. I had no idea I had that effect on you. And I really appreciate you telling me. All right, guys, listen, thank you so much for hearing us out, talking about our respective demons. And as we continue along in this series, we're just going to keep tackling one thing after the next things that we learned most during COVID quarantine. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Per usual, like, subscribe, leave a review for your girl so I can tailor these conversations. Did you enjoy my man Joe here? Are you enjoying the banter? I would love to hear what you're thinking. And please stay tuned for the next episode. Very excited. Hit me up if you have any questions ever. Thanks so much, guys. Peace out.